We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Lexus NX is crafted to take on the modern adventure called life. Alexa, what's the quickest route home? With Amazon Alexa compatibility and the advanced Lexus safety system, the Lexus NX is modern utility for the modern world. Because modern obstacles require modern solutions. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more. Amazon Alexa and all related logos are trademarks of Amazon.com Inc. or its affiliates. Not all Amazon Alexa functionality is available for in-vehicle use. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime, Michael Stewart, the former Los Angeles Rams defensive back, and we are coming with our post-game show. Yes, we waited 24 hours because, uh, needless to say, last night, man, it was not the night to try and break this stuff down. It was an ugly, ugly night, ugly, ugly game, 
And we decided, well, you know what, if we want to put a good show on for you guys and come out with our A game, we have the option of waiting one more day, and we chose to do that. So we're here on Monday night. Mike, how you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm doing well. Man, ready to get after it. Yes, it was a little bit ugly yesterday. Just a little bit ugly? Not even kind of sort of ugly? Just all the way ugly? <laughs> yeah, I all the way ugly. All the way ugly. Man, usually you ask for his immediate reaction. He's a little more than that, but I guess he's got a lot saved in the gas tank for this one. So Well, we'll just... it's a little bit being in shock still. Shock? I yes. Mean, I know I expressed some concerns last week about this game. and You did? I did. If you listen back to the Wednesday podcast, sorry, the midweek podcast, where we had Steve Dennis on from ESPN 103.3, he's telling me, nah, nah, you guys got this. He's the guy from Dallas saying you guys got this. And I'm starting going, this is too good a roster down there in Dallas. This should be an 11-2, 10-3 team. And I didn't like the matchup. I was, I was asking specifically about their pass rush. And really actually digging deep and kind of getting, what about your edge? What about, man alive, once we get midway through second quarter, all those fears came true. What we were seeing out of the Rams offense, Rams defense, it was almost the Ravens all over again. And, uh, man, it was it was just ugly football. Hindsight being twenty twenty, I think we know exactly where the Rams are weak now. And it's um, going to be a difficult fix in the offseason. I think it is. Got any thoughts on that one? On yeah. that observation? <clears throat> yeah, I definitely think that uh, we got to see really what these last two games hold for us. And yeah, they're going to have to obviously make some changes, whether it's in style, whether it's possibly coaching, and see, you know, what can be done to fix this thing and get back to the top. I think it's some of its personnel, too, you know, in terms of. Coaching, personnel. I think there's some things that really bother me. I mean, especially the trenches. Looking back and getting a look at what was going on on the offensive and defensive line, I have some serious concerns in there that I don't know are fixable. This is going to be more question I'm going to have for you that is not one that's talked about in our question. We have some, several really nice questions coming from fans who want to know a little more. So. Before we get into it, folks, I just want to remind you that we are sponsored by Jim Hawkins, Book Hall's team. We also want to just invite you to head on over to, to Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Music. Subscribe, please, especially on Apple Music. We would really appreciate a five-star review. Matter of fact, we still, absolutely still, have this shindig going on. 200 five-star reviews equal one lucky winner getting a personalized, personalized Rams jersey. Hopefully Rams, unless you're trying to pull a fast one on us. It gets to get from... NFLshop.com, okay? I'm still, I'm still hyped up, Mike, to the point where I'm just trying to go, okay, Derek, breathe, talk right, slow down, because I, even, even a day later, I'm still anxious about what we saw yesterday. It's like you, uh, like you thought this team got over a hurdle. Now they're back, and I can't even do any ad read right now. I'm a train wreck. So I don't say about it. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit uh, shocking, discouraging, you know, leaves you in wonderment and just what's really going on and the fact that how can you go so far to only not even look 
close to well i guess there's been games where they've looked close to that playoff form that championship form that we're used to but again there's just so much riding on the line but it just goes to prove that we have somewhat of these distractions whether it's guys getting signed bigger contracts uh expectations go up with that change in personnel you know that that all these things come into play that can make an inconsistent without even injuries and you throw in the injury bug and there you go. You have a great mix for something not so good to happen. And that's kind of like where we are now. Uh, what, what is a fix? What's it? What's the way out? Well, anyways, if you want to be in that contest, folks, I can't believe we got away from that. Send us a five star review on Apple music, get a screenshot of it. Send an email to ranstop1945 at gmail.com, copy of your entry, so we know who to reward. And we'll also read your feedback on the show, which is about what I'm, I'm going to do right now, actually, because I have been waiting a little bit of time, and uh, we might as well get something positive to start the show off. You know, Mike, I've been wondering, have you left a review for us yet on Apple Music? You know what? I have not. What, what the crap, man? Come on. I know, man. Lead by example, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, but no, you Let didn't get on that. that. Yeah, I mean, you listen to yourself on Apple Music, right? Well, I'm not one. Well, you know, you're not one to toot your own horn. You want that to come from exterior, not interior. <laughs> but I guess I could get in the contest, right? <laughs> I mean, someone's got to win it. Someone's got to win it. <laughs> I mean, newest feedback on the show. Here we go. This is from Celtic Quinny. He says, Loves this po- love this podcast over 2019. Best Rams podcast. Thanks, guys. All right. Rams Talk Radio is awesome. Five stars from Dong Bangu. December 10th, 2019. This podcast is most informative out there for LA Rams football talk. A must-have for my daily commute. Start listening if you must go. And now looking forward to every new episode. Great work. December 10th as well. Rams Talk Radio gives awesome insight by B. Harden. I always appreciate hearing Derek and the Rams Talk Radio crew break down and analyze our favorite L.A. football team. I enjoy Michael Stewart's perspective as a former professional athlete, and Derek always offers an insightful take on the happenings of the team, whether it's after a frustrating loss, exhilarating win, or, the, or during the slow days of the offseason. They always keep the shows interesting and deliver a great product to the listener. I will always look forward to each new episode. Keep up the great work, fellas. And this is from Sam the Ram, 86. Great Rams podcast. Just listened to Derek and Tommy after that great win over the Seahawks. Love the episode. Tommy, hope you're feeling better after that fall. Rams talk is where is where's that for all Rams fans. This cast captures the voice of the fans and puts out great perspectives. Keep the great work, guys. So awesome, guys. Thanks so much for the for the really cool reviews. And we are, you got you we got you entered. Got you entered there now. Okay, so getting into the game itself. 44-21 Rams lose. And I think you and I were both a little stunned, right? We're a little stunned at how this goes down. But yet, for sure, for sure. In the end, it was a lot of the same recipe the Ravens used power running, yes. wearing down the offense and the defense, just wearing us down and taking advantage of a defense, especially that was not tackling well, an offense that could not execute. Getting Jared Goff flustered. Matter of fact, Jared Goff was was off even before first his first drive. He was thrown high, common for him. And and so I wanted to get 
yeah, get back with everybody about that one too. I found very interesting in terms of the announced team had noticed and talked to him about early in the game. And I guess overall, with the game, I thought, I think we both thought be, it would be a, well, we thought it would be at least be competitive, if not a Rams victory. You thought the Rams were going to win, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely thought, based on the last couple of weeks, that they would definitely come out and play a lot better than they did, no doubt. And just to kind of come out as the old proverbial saying would go and lay an egg, it was just really like, okay, obviously most of the guys don't understand what's really on the line, or maybe they're just pressing too hard, and, and once that happens and things start going south, it goes south in a hurry. I mean, looking at the numbers here, it's this domination. The game is it's brutal. Total yards, Dallas, 475, L.A., 289. L.A. has 207 passing yards, Dallas 212. Rushing yards, 263, L.A. 22. Average yards for play, Dallas 7. The Rams 4.3. Sacks allowed to Dallas none. That's a big one, by the way. The Rams not getting any sacks in this game. Time possession, 36 minutes and 6 seconds for for Dallas. 23 minutes and 54 seconds for the Rams, uh, individually, Jared Goff, 33-51 for 284 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Todd Gurley, 11 carries for 20 yards. Tyler Higby, 12 catches for 111 yards. Um, nobody, No one else in the Rams had more than 46 yards receiving, by the way. Brandon Cook said 46. Cowboys, right. Dak Prescott, 15-23, 212 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Tony Pollard, 12 carries, 131 yards. Ezekiel Elliott, 24 carries, 117 yards. They combined for three touchdowns. Receiving Tavon Austin, one for 59. That one hurt by. That one really hurt. Everybody else, they kind of kept in check. Blake Jarwin had two catches for 40. Elliott, three for 43. It was a running game. Yep. What do those numbers really tell you overall? Uh, you hit it earlier. It's complete domination. I mean, when you look at a team having almost 10 more minutes uh, of the ball, when you break down and you look at, you know, third down efficiency, we lack thereof. But when you have what is considered one of the top run, running backs in the league, you holding to, you know, basically 20 yards rushing. I mean, <clears throat> there's nothing else to say. Tip your hat to the defense and them guys making play. So, uh, you know, outside of Tyler Higby and a few other things here, it wasn't a lot going on on the offensive side of the ball. Defense very porous, uh, just really got manhandled, basically, you know, up in, in the trenches. You know, again, we're not going to be the biggest defense out there anyway. You know, we're used to relying on quickness and speed. But Dallas just said, we're going to take it to you and see what you got. They did, and that's the show shocking part about it is the Rams faced this Dallas team in the playoffs last year and ran all over them. This Dallas team isn't that different. This Rams team is, at least on the offensive line, defensive line. And we saw it. We saw what was a favorable matchup at the time fall apart. And that's, this, that's the real big problem here is 
is as much as we thought the Rams' offensive line was improved, I had been, you remember me saying this, I was concerned they were not running in the middle. They could not get in the middle last week. The Seahawks still found a way to stuff them there. The Rams were being forced to run outside. And the Rams didn't even try and run outside in this game. Didn't even try. <laughs> I mean, right. seriously, if you wanted to try and soften the inside and widen the field a bit, you'd think you'd go wide. I would love to be there to ask Sean McVay those questions. Like, why didn't you even try there? I I will disagree with folks who say the Rams did not try to establish the run. They did. But when you're stuffed on second and ten for a loss of two, you're throwing next time out. If you're stuck for a loss of one on first and ten, that changes your play plan. And I wonder what the Rams are thinking early first drive where they didn't run at all. Like Try and get your running game established first. See what you got. Get Goff settled into the game. It's a big game. It's a large crowd. I mean, get these guys just kind of settle your, your seasons on the line. Just have a lot of questions, Mike. Just, just a lot of questions as to what was going on in that locker room before and after the game. Yeah, it was interesting. I pulled up a clip of, of some pregame discussion. Teddy Bruschi, uh, you know, former England veteran linebacker, but, you know, he was speaking so highly of the Rams' offense and how, you know, Dallas was going to have to really step up their game but it was interesting he was showing some of the highlights from the last time out uh, a lot of play action and his comments were simply you know the rams are doing something different than most people they're trying to they're not trying they're establishing the running game by the passing game so they showed a lot of little naked boot action play action boot out the other way different things like that and it almost looked like mcveigh was trying to go right back to that formula coming out to shoot with a number of passes on the first series. So uh, if you're scouting them, it looks like, okay, well, they didn't change it. We think this formula worked against Dallas last time. Let's do it. And obviously it didn't work. It's more than didn't work. It was they got shelled. <laughs> they got beat around. From the moment Dallas got that ball in the second possession, their second possession, they just manhandled the Rams offensive line. And defensive line, sorry. Defensive line. They pushed that team around. And from that point forward, when the Rams even tried to establish the run, there was nothing there. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Like, literally I mean, nothing. 11 carries 20 yards to talk early, but that's including an 8-yard carry he had late in the game. They, right. There was nothing there. And some folks are upset because the Rams, he didn't, he didn't try and establish the run. Yeah, he did. They did. That's the worst part about it. they did. What they didn't do, though, was go outside at all. And a thing that I asked you about last night, too, was early on when the Rams were moving the football, they were rolling Goff out. And all of a sudden, they stopped rolling him out. So they stopped rolling him out. They didn't try and run outside. And they just tra- kept going to one area. Meanwhile, the Dallas pass rush is pounding that interior line. They're just crashing the interior. Right. To the point where Jared Goff, you know, you've, you've heard me give the Pac-Man analogy or, or the, uh, the taco analogy. This time it was just straight at the middle. And he's, he's, not, he's not even in a place where he can make a throw at that point. He was antsy all game. after For that first hit he took, he was antsy all game. So the whole team to me was just out of whack all the way through. Dallas just executed everything 
the Rams were not physical enough. Yeah, and you look at it in regards to, you know, Big Jay Groff is a simple fact that teams are probably putting some things together and saying, hey, if we can get to this kid early, we got him. And Dallas was able to do that early, and it just seemed like it really affected things down the stretch. Uh, I will say this. What happens a lot of times, unfortunately, when you fall behind, instead of sticking to the game plan, okay, at 7, 7, 7, and then, you know, we got them backed up. It's like, all right, we're going to get great field position. Oh, no, they just went 97 on us. But still, even at that time, it's a one-possession game, basically. You know what I mean? But the demoralizing thing mentally is like, wow, they just went 97 yards on us and we couldn't do anything about it. So that gives them an edge there. However, it's still only one possession, but we came right back and we started kind of, to me, we got a little pass happy. And then now it's a two possession game. Now it's a three possession game. And then by then you just say, forget it. We got to just keep throwing it. So that is typically what messes things up in regards to overall running game, trying to stick with it or not stick with it. But the game starts dictating, well, we need to score. And unfortunately, it's not like, okay, it's only second quarter. Even if we're down two touches, if we can run the ball and score, now we're down one and we got the second half to get one more score. The idea is, well, we need to score quick and try to tie the game up by halftime, which didn't happen, obviously. And then by then you start making mistakes, and the next thing you know, the route is on. I mean, you know, it's 21-7. If they go down field and they score, it's 21-14. At the time, they thought they are getting the ball back to start the second half. Right. So they're thinking in their head, 21-14. This could be a 21-21 game. Right. And this is where Irks and Jared Goff is – as wonderful as he can throw football deep or on the out routes. He's got he's elite there. He loses it in the middle of the field. I can't tell you how many dumb throws have we seen from him this season that go in the middle of the field. He's not he's not making a read well. He's he's there's something missing there in what he's seeing either at the line or during the course of the play, and before you know it, there's a Sean Lee interception. Touchdown a couple minutes later, and now the blowout's on. It's, yeah, it's well, was it, it, yeah, and it was interesting, even on that play, you know, the commentators, Joe Buck and my man Troy Aikman, and Troy is trying to talk through the throw. Well, it looks like maybe his hand and maybe was rushed. No, it doesn't look like, but he was really trying to throw it into to a tight window, and I'm going, Troy, there's no tight window. There's like three dudes trying to get that same route. But what I did see from a veteran linebacker, Sean Lee did, he does a thing which we go, you know, you give him a, a, a fake out or a deke, as we would say in baseball. He kind of moved in a direction like he was actually following Jared's eyes or thinking like, oh, he's leading me away all along knowing he was going to jump that route anyway. So he did a couple steps like he was going for it. Then he just jumped back the other way and it was right to him. So as much, much as it, it's on Jarrett, you know, that was a great play by a savvy veteran linebacker. But there was nowhere for Robin Cooks a ball to get to him. Not uh, Cooks, but uh, who am I thinking of? Anyway. Are you Brandon uh, Cooks or is it Robert Woods? No, Robert Woods. 
Uh, I'm putting both their names together, but Robert Woods, because it showed like two other defenders jumping that same route, which means that's a tendency play when you have three guys jumping the same route. They must have saw something in the lineup down in distance because it was too many guys jumping that one route like they did. Well, if you want to even get fundamental, early part of the game, they're talking about what had changed for Jared Goff in the last two games. And the, the response that Goff, I think, had told them was, it's a paraphrase here, basically his footwork had, had been improved, had been better. Uh, he could settle on his throws. That was his problem throughout this game was everything was back off again. On the interception, look at how he's standing. On those missed throws out to the side, late in the half, that's where Troy and Joe Buck brought it up, was on that high throw off the sideline. He's, his entire form was just off. He's rushing to throw a football. And what frustrates me with Jared Goff is there are times when Jared Goff will sit in the pocket and he'll take a hit and deliver a throw. And he'll hit those tight windows. He hit one later in the game, actually, for that one touchdown pass. It's a real tight window. And then sometimes he'll get super antsy and just wing it out there with bad form, bad mechanics. And then here we get an interception. Why is the ball going high? Well, why is his ball going high? Go look at his throw. Right. Go look at the throw. Look at. So he's not. That's what's driving me crazy is he, at this point in a quarterback's career, your form should be pretty much set and your nerve. In the pocket should be close to seven. This is year four as an NFL quarterback. He's been playing football all his life. You know what pressure feels like. You know what it looks like. You got to make that throw. And I want to hesitate here because don't think for a minute that this is going to be a podcast with me slamming Goff because Goff wasn't the problem overall yesterday. Goff was a Goff had problems. Goff had Goff had problems, but he is still a guy who is more than capable of making those quote-unquote tight window throws, even when he shouldn't, when, he, when his form's right. His form wasn't right, right Mike. Most right. Of, how many, we can go back well, to the film and look at his, look at his throws. form, it's his body mechanics, it's you know how he's setting up, it's is he looking guys off and just throwing the ball, because at times it, it literally looks like, okay, like who is he really throwing it to? You know, but remember I said... You know, some things last week, the week before is when you have a guy that a back is or receivers 10 yards away from me and you skip balls off the ground. Something is odd with that. I mean, that's like a guy that was in, you know, a freshman quarterback. That's kind of something like that. That's not like a, a, a veteran, which golf is at this point in time, quarterback in the NFL that can't just basically make you know basic throws at times it's almost like way back in the day when us steve Sachs they said had the yips you know for whatever reason he could no longer throw the ball to first base you know and so sometimes it looks like golf has those lapses where it's like he literally can't throw the ball like at all which is like okay something doesn't make sense with he's feeling the heat mike He's feeling the heat and he's panicking and he's just getting the ball out of there. That's what he's doing when he's skipping when he's skipping it. He's just out, gone. Yeah, but you can feel the heat, but the ball should be 
at least kind of like where your guy has an opportunity to catch it. Well, sure, but that's what I'm trying to say. He's right. he's panicking to the point where he's rushing that throw. If he's rushing that throw, it's going to skip. He's going to go high or go low. It's not going to go the numbers, that's for sure. But watch, go back and watch that film. When he's what, so how many times could he have just taken a step to the left or right and delivered a throw? And instead, he just <laughs> gone and it just skips. It's like true. It's like the alarm clock in his head is going off two seconds too early, or even half a second early, and he's just like get it out, gone. Instead of standing and making a throw, and that's what my gripe is. It's he will he will sometimes step stay in the pocket or step up. And he'll make great throws. And sometimes he folds. He's not consistent with his own... What's the word? He's not consistent with his own brain. This this processing of a play. A good good NFL quarterback is going to stand in there. A good NFL... Tom Brady just has that instinct when to go, when to stay, when to step up. When wins pressure coming, and in his prime, because I, think, I don't think we're seeing Tom Brady in his prime right now. He just knew when it grew the football, right? And that's what I mean in regards to you now have what is considered a veteran quarterback who's been what you would say in the thick of things, thick thick of things, and has played against many defenses and D lines that has had to put pressure, hit him, different things like that. Now, again, I don't know. Sometimes when guys get paid, they say that changes guys because now they're really thinking about longevity as opposed to I'm going to go out here and play this game that I love at the highest level. But when you see enough zeros behind your bank statements or, or brokerage statements and you go, yeah, man, and I don't really need to take all these hits unnecessarily. And it could change your your mindset and your approach to the game while in the game. So I don't know what's going on. It's obviously we can see that something is way off at different times because you can't be elite quarterback one series and a guy who doesn't look like he could make his freshman football team the next. Oh, ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Well, one thing to know is he took some serious hits late in the game. And he stood in for those hits. So it's not like he's not capable or not willing to take hits. But why is he so inconsistent with what's going on mentally, what's going on with the processes? And that's something that he has to figure out. Yes. Well, yeah. And also, he's on what? Quarterback coach over three and four years? What's that relationship like? What's going on there with Robinson, uh, McVeigh, and Goff? What's going on there? I want to know. I, I really want to know what's going on, and that includes play calling. They didn't. The Rams did not set Goff up either. Well, yesterday, if you're throwing that whole first drive on the road in Dallas, one of the loudest places you're going to go in there and play, it's not really setting Goff up. If you're not going to call your runs to the outside to try and stretch that field out and, and get the interior going because it's, it wasn't going. How are you helping your quarterback? Who's making the play calls there? Is Goff allowed even audible if he sees something? Do they not, do they not trust each other? What is that dynamic? Yeah, it's hard to say because 
obviously there's something going on. And I see Sean and and Golf talking at different times, but you know, is it like it was before his quarterback coach left to go coach another team? You know, I don't know, but there's obviously something going on. Uh, and that leads also to Todd Gurley. I mean, I know Todd seems to be just maybe a quiet guy. I keeps himself, nothing wrong with that. But just overall body language, play, it's just, you know, I don't know that I notice him going to talk to Jarrett usually – you know, you're going to have the running back and your quarterback communicating pretty regularly, at least on the sideline. Hey, man, what do you see? Whether it's, hey, or we're calling the right guy in the blitz pickups and so on and so forth. But, you know, it looks like everybody comes off and, they, you know, Jared goes over there and grabs the the surfaces to kind of look at what's happening. And then uh, so it's just interesting, just the dynamics and body language. Interest is one word for it. Frustrating is another um, <laughs> playoff hopes are almost nil now. They need a miracle. They need Minnesota to lose twice yeah. and to win out. Uh, the 49ers are a team that's built to beat the Rams. Their front seven may held the Rams last time out. That's what they were built to do. So the odds of the Saturday night aren't great. That's frustrating. That's more than frustrating, actually. So I, I have a hard time right now feeling good about this team. But there is one thing I think we should remember for all the gaps and for all the problems. Just you have a little bit of a bright side here, guys. It's still a very young core. The Nucleus' team is young. They're going to pay a brown of their money for these guys in the next year or so, two years. And then there's opportunity again. So the question is, can McVay learn from his mistakes as a coach and adapt? We've seen... Evidence of that in her late in the year. Mine and sister's game. We've seen some up and downs, but some evidence of it. Les Snead, his draft picks have been pretty decent. Most offensive line right now came from him. So I. There's hope. There's hope for the future. They got to do it right, though. And with all that in mind, a couple things here. We want to give a shout out to our sponsors over there, my bookie. Check it out. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you can t- choose any game and call it? Well, MyBookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball, it's time to get off the sideline and get in the action with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back in the game. Best of all, if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you were to deposit $2,000, you can get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. If you're looking a little low stakes, put $100, they'll give you $50. You'll be good to go with some free money. Just use the promo code MASSIVELATEFEE to activate this offer. Once again, that's promo code MASSIVELATEFEE to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Also, we want to give a shout to Jim Hawk as well. I don't usually do back-to-back in terms of sponsors, but we have a long Q&A. We're going to try and go through them. 
bang, 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 real quick, as uh, just to keep it quick, concise. But you never know when we get a good question. All right, so our sponsor, I cannot continue without shouting out Jim Hawk, his book Hall of Team, Grit, Glamour, the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams with the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some story of his father and the team he played for an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You can read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hallwasteam.com and on Twitter at hallwasteam. It's also both on hardback, electronic form, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Folks, it's also available this Friday in paperback. So if you're one of the, the people who must have the paperback instead of the online, you want to be different. It's there. It's available in various different booksellers on the Internet. It's for a great cause, homeboy industries. Just trust and check it out. Always seeing great glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth it. I'm telling you, it's worth it. All right, Michael, some really good questions. I, I, I know you thought they were good questions anyways. And um, here we go. First question. Let's go. It's from Mark Amazon John Walker at WB Concrete. It says, why is Sean McVay calling the plays? Why is coaching so bad this year? Well, he's the quasi you know, offensive coordinator, typically that's why, uh, you know, he was hired to coach the Rams because they needed a infusion of offensive expertise, if you will. Uh, he fit that role, done a great job. We've seen times when the office can be very explosive. Uh, so as far as him calling plays, that's usually, you know, a head coach decision from his standpoint. He probably feels like, I'm young enough. I love doing that. That's what I came up doing. Uh, so I'm just going to keep it rolling. Uh, I think the point or the question is, you know, why is coaching so bad? This rolls into it. It's not so much the coaching is bad. It seems bad in the sense because there's more losses. Uh, I just think that they're not making the adjustments as they have, which uh, means that the the guy that was there last year, who's now a head coach, he must have had a great eye for some certain things because it seems like him not being here could be one of the reasons why, uh, or it seems that may be a major reason why the offense isn't looking as potent as it was last year. Well, I would go one, one step backward, actually, and go to Matt LaFleur. Come on. I mean – there were times last year when Goff had his problems. Okay, matter of fact, as we end the year, the Rams really transitioned more and more into being a power-running team and relying less and less on Jared Goff. I thought Jared Goff did a great job in the Saints game last year being a leader, in that, but he wasn't expected to go throw for 300 yards. But he was not expected to throw for 300 yards. Zach Taylor was part of that, but to me, he hasn't been, I mean... Jared Goff, from his first year to his second year, he was brimming with confidence in the 2017 season. And that came under Matt LaFleur. Okay. Zach Taylor comes in. He's doing fine. But the moment a team finds a gap in the game plan for the Rams, this was probably Detroit, we saw Jared wilt a bit. And where's the coaching there? Where's Where's the coaching there? So I thought that really was Matt losing Matt LaFleur, somebody he really grew with. And now, of course, Matt LaFleur is up in Green Bay. 
they have a new guy, Zach Robinson, this year. And I'm just wondering, where's their relationship? And where is where is the head coach involved here? He's supposed to be this offensive guru. And he's shown over and over again how brilliant he is calling and drawing on plays. But it's more than just that. It's developing your quarterback. And there is something going on in the developmental process right now for Jared Goff. Is it coaching? Is it work ethic on Jared Goff's side? Is Sean McVay not letting things go? And that leads into our next question. This is from Alfredo at House on Rams. He asks, who looks good as a potential offensive coordinator? Hmm. Hmm. My boy, Hugh Jackson. You've lost your mind. <laughs> I wouldn't let Hugh Jackson near any organization. I'm going to go with Jay Gruden. I'm going to go with Jay Gruden. Oh, you know what? That may be a great fit, uh, you know, but does Jay come and say, man, I thank you for the favor. Let's do it. That would be a great one. There's a secret card. Uh, former teammate of mine, John Embry, who actually was with the Redskins and actually somewhat trained Coach McVay, especially with 12 personnel, two tight end game, who's now assistant head coach with the Niners. So will he come down the road? Who knows? But yeah, Jay Gruden may be a guy that that would go for it. I mean, Tommy and I have talked about that's the guy who I would go to. You work together in Washington, and then you know Jay Gruden, his the Bengals' best offensive years. Or we're with Jay Gruden at the helm out there. Andy Andy Dalton's best years were with Jay Gruden. Get him out of being head coach, let him be a coordinator, and go to a, a team that has weapons for you. I think Jay Gruden makes the most sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, Eric Dreyer. Eric Dreyer. Well, he has two questions. I'm going to go the opposite side first and then flip it back around. He asks, how can you dominate one game and then completely lay an egg the next? This is Eric Dreyer at E. Dreyer 4356. Easy. One game, you could be at home. Another game, you're on the road. Uh, the thing with uh, NFL teams, it's just you can be over, but you match up well against a team, and now you have a win. So it just seemed like the Cowboys were playing with a serious mission in mind of, guys, we're better than this. We need to pull it together. The Rams almost Almost were playing like, yeah, you guys are playing like not up to your standard, and we're on a roll now. We're hitting our stride, but you just never know, you know, two-hour plane ride to another location, and the next thing you know, you're coming home with a lane. So mainly, sometimes that's just a week-to-week thing, and it could be quarter-to-quarter, but that's my opinion on that. I think the Rams are looking ahead, honestly. I thought they thought the same Cowboys team that's been playing the way it has for the last couple of weeks was, was the one showing up. Yeah, I just think they weren't mentally ready, and more importantly, I think they weren't physically ready. This is gonna this is gonna make some folks mad at me, Mike. But from my point of view, watching every game and just digging in film this year, the Rams are more than capable of handling teams that have a decent offensive line, decent defensive line. I'm talking about both lines in the trenches. Okay, but not great. You start getting up against teams that have athletes and have physical power. 
and are committed to something, the Rams have problems. Right. It's, it's why the Rams, for a large portion of this year, were in the top 10, top 5 in run defense. They go against Baltimore and get smashed. Then they go against the Cowboys and get smashed. Is their run defense good overall? Yeah. Until you get somebody who's physically dominant, who's physically committed to it. And that's been a problem for the Rams for a couple of years now. And that's my big beef. You should be, at this point, developing a physical game. And sometimes they come out there and they smash people, but it's usually lesser teams. If I'm the Rams... Yeah, so that's that's mentality, right? It's mentality. Be the bully. But here's... If you don't have the physical strength to do it, they're getting out-muscled out there. Out-muscled. So my question is, what's going on with the Rams strength and conditioning-wise that we, have not, we haven't seen guys break through that next level. We're seeing young guys who, to me, are soft. Tommy's been saying it, and I'm agreeing. These guys are soft. They're soft. Well, you got to remember, they uh, had the strength and conditioning coach that had a situation, uh, had to go through the court process. Uh, Thank goodness he was vindicated. And I'm not sure when he actually was fully back with the team, and so, whereas before, because I'm even seeing him on the sideline, it doesn't seem as though he's having the effect, even from, you know, a rah-rah coach type that he did a year, two years ago. So, again, I think with a full offseason coming up and now things in that world being more settled, that that can get back to more of the function that he was and, and have the influence that he did as far as the weight training stuff. Uh, but I know I've been there a number of times, and you know those, those guys get after it, and they work hard. Uh, but you also had a lot of new guys who came in this year who are coming from college. So it may be a year or two away, maturity, growth, playing at the NFL, level speed, practice, maintain your body, all those things that play into it. But I just think that, as you said, they were looking ahead because they just thought they were going to get that other Dallas Cowboy team where they could have maybe just shown up and scored 21 points and it would have been over. They just need to be in the weight room. It's not, you know, you guys, defensive lines, these guys are fast, they're athletic. This is not your 1970s defensive lines anymore where very few people had that it factor. You can't go out there now, the traditional offensive lineman, and think it's going to be all right. In the trenches, both offensive line, defensive line, they are getting beat up, and then they wonder why they're giving it 270 yards of the rushing game, and rushing in the game, why they can't run the football. They're getting beat in the interior. That's kind of, that's that's something you have to fix the offseason, and a lot of that's going to come in the weight room. I know some of it's technique, but a lot of it is, a person on the field saying, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, and I'm proving it. And that's not happening right now. Yeah, no, it's not happening consistent enough for it to be a major difference so that we're not talking about it. So absolutely, it's got to happen on the other end more. You know, what stood out to me, you had two tackles behind the line for the whole game, which means... You're not getting any pressure, any depth into their backfield. So 
typically Aaron Donald was creating havoc. He was, you know, a smaller version of himself, it seemed like, yesterday. So, though he's usually rushing the guy, you know, getting him off his spot, you know, creating havoc. Those things weren't happening to anyone yesterday. So, yeah, we got some work to do. But a lot of that is just mental. And it just seems like when they got off the plane for whatever reason, you know what? Let's just say maybe everybody had the flu and they didn't tell us. There were a couple people sick last week, but at some point, (laughs) I mean, this is it. This is the second time now. Baltimore, Dallas, huge games on national TV. You know, they got a reprieve. They got a reprieve with winning those two games in a row, and they still have a shot because Green Bay still plays Minnesota, okay? They got a reprieve from that that horrible loss against Baltimore. They go to Dallas. They play well on the road usually. They are on a roll themselves, and they just lay an egg. And we got to credit to Dallas, too, by the way. Dallas came out there and played a great football game, and we're all talking about why, hey, why didn't the Rams do this? Well, part of it's because Dallas executed and the Rams didn't. They they played it good football. This is a team that should be eleven and two, ten and three, not seven and seven. So they should be to me twelve and two, eleven and three. They should be. And maybe Dallas will figure it out and all of a sudden we'll be talking about Dallas come late January. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? So other questions here also from Eric Dreyer and Russ Johnson. You gotta put you guys together. Um, Russ Johnson's at Rusty. C. Johnson. It's time to evaluate our options. Defensive coordinator and Eric actually goes specific. Goes Rams go after Rivera and replace Wade. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Rivera's absolutely got a great reputation for being a player's coach like Wade. Uh, you know, Wade's got all the knowledge in the world, the things. But at some point in time, sometimes they say the ship, if you will. Is, is passing you by. I'm not saying that about Wade, but it, again, uh, I know Coach McVay likes high octane type practices, running from here, running from there. Coach, of course, Wade is Coach uh, Wade is not going to be running all around a, a football field at practice, so you just don't know. I think uh, the guys ultimately love him. Uh, great coach to play for, but I just think this is going to be part of the evaluation for, again, everyone. 45 points. That's what we get to Baltimore. 44 to Dallas. 55 to Tampa. 30 to Seattle. Then you flip it around, they have some dominant games. The games where they get those points, so they they face real talent. Tampa Bay, seriously, look at Tampa's offense. Look who they got out there. They got talent. So you're facing real skill, and you're giving points up like this. No team that has Aaron Donald in its front seven and Jalen Ramsey on the outside should be giving up 45 and 44 twice in a month. I'm not saying fire Wade, but there have been several games this year where the game plan didn't work, and we didn't see adjustments. It's just reality of it. What, what adjustments they make? What changed? Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you're giving up that, someone's head is going to fall, if you will. Uh, and so, yeah, there's a bit of big inconsistency all around. But again, 
you got injuries, you got new guys playing in the defense, and you get guys back, and you got to switch out a guy here and there. Florida game's not working. You know, defense is always going to be part of the blame, even if you're not part of the reason why. But you can't escape. Well, that team just went 97 yards on you. What do you got to say about that? You know what I mean? So that's what really sticks out from yesterday. Wow, NFL team that's been playing great, got the two-time defensive player of the year, and you guys let the team go 97. Not 77, not 57, 97. Technically, that's the length of a football field, right? Or typically three downs and out, you're making those guys punt from the end zone, you know, but so that's, that's something that's obviously going to be looked at in a real way. All right. So here we go. More questions. This is from Matt Watkins at Matt, Matt underscore Watkins 28. Watching it from the stands, watching it from the stands after Dallas went at 21-7, it looked exactly like Rand Tommy L.A. described the Baltimore game. No energy, hardly any fight. What do they do to fix that? You want to take that one? Good question. Good question. Yeah, I mean, those are the thing again. Those things are internal from individual standpoint. You know, a coach can do so much. You know, even, you know, your quote-unquote captains can do so much. But you got to remember, <clears throat> Dallas is a nice place to go. Now, I don't know if guys are sneaking out after curfew. I don't know when they travel to Dallas. But Dallas is a nice place to go just to be in Dallas. And you just never know what guys are doing, how they're staying focused, how they're preparing. But again, when you see games like this and you have people saying, yeah, it doesn't look like no energy, no fight. In them. Well, that's an internal thing. And so you'll have a guy go, oh, you know, eh, whatever, this one's over. So I'm just going to pack it in. So that's something that definitely has to get fixed and get fixed in a hurry. But, you know, the thing is, as guys are, in some cases, you know, as you're making more money, the desire to actually go out and compete can be lessened over time. The thing is, I mean, you're professionals, man. You're, you're paid to play a game, and your season's on the line. You're in, you're, this is your playoffs right now, and you basically just bombed out of the playoffs. You need a miracle right now for the Rams getting the Vikings to be out. They blew it. And to me, it's just mental. Like, where, where's your head? Where are you? You know, I just got the, the transcript coming in from the from the press conference today. And a reporter asked Sean McVay, he said, on, if reviewing the film from the game was as bad watching as living through it. And then I'm, I'm going down and you're saying, the excitation and the confidence that I do have in our players and our team to be able to execute and just do the fundamental things that you have been have to be able to do to win this league, we really just didn't do. That's not the norm for us. I don't expect that to be a theme as we finish out and as we move forward into San Francisco. Defensively, not tackling, not maintaining some of our gap integrity, playing our leverages right in coverage. Those are things that we pretty much, for the most part, done a really nice job of. We didn't do that yesterday. 
And then finishing out the quote, not tanks on the blocks. That the way that we talked about, not just making standard throws and making catches, creating some separation, which we haven't even talked about yet, the lack of separation yesterday. I'm looking at this and I'm just sitting there thinking, everything he's touching on were problems in the game, and those are all fundamental things. Tackling, gap integrity. Where were their heads, Mike? This is the this is probably the biggest game of the year for you. You've had several, but now you're getting late in the year. Where's their head? Where are their heads at? Hey, I'm telling you, having been in locker rooms, you and I will say I'm now talking from a stand a fan point vantage. Hey, man, if I had that opportunity, I would absolutely give it my everything. You have some guys. I look at Corey Littleton, and I go, that guy can play. I'm watching at the end of the game. He's running around tackling guys, tackling guys, and then he's standing over there like, yeah, Zeke, I'm going to be here all day. And they're just looking at him like, man, we're killing you guys. So when I see a player like that, it means something more to him than just saying, hey, I'm on a team. I play professionally. This is cool cool, win or lose. That's the thing with, with Jarrett, and I get maybe he feels like, hey, I got to go out here. But he, and I get you don't have to be throwing your helm and things, but you got to give me a little something that, that you're a little bit disappointed or, you know, for lack of a better term, you're a little peeved about the situation. You know what I mean? You saw certain quarterbacks, they may answer a question to, Man, I'm out. Go find me, whatever. I don't, I don't have any. I'm not answering any more of these, you know, ridiculous questions. We got skunk. That's it. But when you stand out there, you go, oh, yeah, you know, we just didn't do what we did and what we can do. Hey, man, you're not really showing me a lot of fire. So, overall, that's what you're not seeing is every man out there playing as though if they don't play, they're not going to get paid. You know what I'm saying? That's what made the guys like Michael Jordan, uh, Dan Marino, Kobe Bryant. Those guys, they don't care if they play in a pickup game. They're not losing. And if they do, I mean, the things you hear about Jordan, man, he's turning tables. He's fighting people, probably whatever, because that's how much it meant to him. I think the, the current day player, there's not a lot of those guys who – they don't care how much they make. They're going to pay me a dollar, and I'm going to play you till the cows come home. I mean, that's the big thing for me is you're a professional, though. You should be showing up, right? You should be. I mean, you should be showing up. You should be, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to say about that. You should be showing up. Okay, we're running out of time here, but we do want to – get a couple more of these questions in. Several good ones today. And a couple of them scratching my head on, but, I mean, they're still interesting. I'll give them that. This is from LA Rams Fan Club. And this is what he points out. He doesn't actually ask a question, but he points out several things. For an office, the team took fans for granted. Team got lazy, didn't give 100% all season, winning too much. They fell too soon. In parentheses. Austin moves, and this season before its birth. Overall moves could haunt the team with Goff at helm. McVay needs to listen more. Um, those are all valid concerns and valid things to think about. But we've been touching all of those, right? I mean, 
The Rams made some mistakes this year. That's why they're eight and six. Mike, I guess I'm not following. What does McVay needs to listen more to? You think uh, completely of hers that McVay isn't listening to um, his players or coaches? It's, he's just run the team. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't, you don't know, know that he's not listening. I just yeah, I just figured it. You know, when things are going bad, everything is going bad. Yeah. This one's uh, from Frank Alvarez at Frankie at Frank AA sixty four. Any chance Gurley demands a trade is no comment about McVeigh calling himself an idiot. His comment about Goff calling last week's stiff arm vintage Todd. It sounds like he's very unhappy. I know losing will do that, but maybe more to it. Like I said, I, I just look at body language, and it seems like more to it. Well, his what do body you think? language hasn't been right since the NFC Championship game. If we're honest. It's, well, one, he's not a person who loves getting in front of media. Right. He's not the world's most, I'd say, expressive person in terms of, you know, he isn't, he isn't make a whole lot of gestures, a whole lot of different facial moves. He'll, he'll just sit there and he'll say something the same tone. He'll show he's upset in the same tone. He'll show he's excited in almost the same tone. Uh, so I think when you are running back and you're getting paid a ton of money and you're not getting the football enough to justify that money, that's probably in the back of your mind. You're, you want to win a Super Bowl. You, uh, as a running back, I think you know that you only have a certain shelf life. And... Sometimes it's also dumb questions. People ask Todd Gurley a lot of dumb questions. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, that's there's no doubt. You know, and I, I just also and again when you had a major injury that he had and then obviously the knee's been bothering him, you know, these years as much as they try to cover it up. I mean, you just can see and that he's not running with that smooth run. And so I just think, again, you know, when you have an opportunity and you now have gotten the money, you can literally look and say, well, my family in the next couple generations can just do some things that they want to do. I, I just feel that it'll take a little bit of that edge of, man, why am I going to go out here? One last note is, as a player, someone like Todd Gurley, if you're kind of quiet and you hear or see all these things that are being said about you, and you go, okay, well, none of that's really true because no one has asked me or you guys have already written about it. So when you do ask me, I'm just going to look at you like you're crazy. Sometimes a guy like him will say, I don't have anything to say to him. I don't care what they say. And we could be getting that as well. So, yeah, you can ask me a thousand questions, kind of like Marshawn Lynch. You know, you guys are going to write what you want. So I'm going to either say nothing or even if I say something, it's going to be something. So I'm going to just choose to just say nothing. There you go. Just say nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know why the Rams keep putting him out there in front of Mike, quite frankly. No exactly, idea. right? No idea. Uh, last one. Right there. Like, like, why would they do that? 
<laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I wouldn't put them out there. Why would you? It's like you're a glutton for punishment. Here we go. Two questions. <laughs> this is from Match 328 at Match 328. One, I think the Rams should call the Eagles and offer them cook, cooks for any draft pick they desperate for established receivers. I think they can take them off our hands. I know the cap will be high, but I don't think he fits the offense anymore. That's the first one. We have to hurry here. So, yeah. Do you want to do a quick shot at that? Yeah, quick shot. Uh, yeah, there's something going on with Cooks, but again, when the offense and things are going bad, anyway, somebody's going to eventually somewhat pay for that situation. Okay. Um, on my end, Cooks is their deep guy, and they haven't they haven't really thrown deep this year. That's that's the real problem with the Rams. The Rams have not been really established in their game overall. They haven't been going deep as much as they used to. The teams have been covering them well and restricting them to that interior 15, 20 yards. And in this last game, they didn't even go wide either with the running game. So they really limited themselves. I saw Cooks' fall. I wouldn't – one, you're not going to get anybody to take him right now. He's got too many concussion scares. His contract's too right. thick. If you get someone to take him, you you got to do something with how that money's distributed. So there you go. Second part of the question – what you think about you? What you think of benching Whitworth, starting left tackle Evans, left guard Corbin, center Blythe, right guard Havenstein, right tackle Edwards? Time to see what we have for next season. Father time has come for Andrew. I know it's hard. I love Andrew, but we need to see what we have in the guys that will be here next year. And that's the same person, Master Twenty Eight. Well, I mean, eventually they're going to absolutely uh, flush that out. So whether it's next week or this week coming up, uh, they're definitely probably going to, to flush that out. Now, if it lines up as this young man or gentleman has it, whoever match 328 is, uh, we'll see. But eventually, once it gets to a point, yeah, they're going to want to do some real uh, evaluation in real time. I mean, that's that's annoying that um, we have to talk about the offensive line of ways right now, but I think also you don't do that now. You don't re, you know, move Whitworth out of there now. You let him finish the year. You're not going to really know what you have in, in Evans as a left tackle right now. You're not going to move Havenstein to right right guard right now. You're just not going to do those things. So just, you know, that's stuff you're going to have to work on in the offseason. Just let it be. I don't mind, I don't even think Evans is going to be a left tackle. I think he'll be a right tackle. So, Will it be John Nopu when he gets back? Is there somebody else out there that might fill in? People keep on bringing up Mr. Williams out there from Washington. We'll find out. We'll find out. And that is our Q&A. We did a decent job getting through everything, I think, but you never know. We are looking for sponsors for next year, next season. Reach out to us at Rams1945 at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. Don't forget, we're also part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. They have a ton of great podcasts out there from several different teams. Whether it be Major League Baseball, NFL, go check them out. And then finally, it's us here at Rams Talk. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. And find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Mike at 1223. Don't forget us on Apple Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all those places. And before I close it out, Mike, any closing thoughts for you? Man, it's just been a pleasure, man, D, to just chop it up over these last number of weeks with everything that's going on and, and 
you know, prayerfully, our beloved Rams will have a great week of practice and show us some down here these last two games. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, see if they can do it in San Francisco. It's a tough matchup for them. It's not a good matchup for them. But Saturday Night Football, I guess, if, I guess we'll be talking to me and Mike on Saturday night unless he's out partying. <laughs> it's a Saturday Night Game, right? It is. Party yeah. like it's 1999. They need to. They need to. All right, folks. So so for Mike and the entire Rams Talk staff, this is Derek C. Paul saying take it easy. We're out of here, and here's to a better week. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.